Hello and welcome to the Mission Next podcast brought to you by American Dream U. American Dream U is a nonprofit organization that is centered around helping provide a seamless transition for those who are transitioning out of the military into civilian life. American Dream U provides programs that provide military veterans and families the connections to the world's best coaches to help guide them on a highly rewarding life after the military. Now, past contributors to American Dream U have included the likes of Tim Ferriss, Chase Jarvis, Aubrey Marcus, Ryan Holiday, Charlie Hone, Ramit Sethi. The list goes on and on. You will be hearing from the likes of these people on this podcast on a weekly basis, so please subscribe. Please stay tuned. Now, you can find more information about American Dream U at www.americandream.org. Please check out American Dream U on all the social sites, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. at American Dream and the letter U. Now, with that, here is today's episode of the Mission Next podcast. Enjoy. Chris? Hi, Phil. How are you? How are you? Excellent. How are you? Good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got to connect. <laughs> I finally made it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it all stems Holy from uh, from my not uh, running up on the airstream up to DC. So I uh, I appreciate you you connecting with me, and and I would love to get started because uh, I've been really looking forward to this, and I've been taking notes actually since the first time we connected. So awesome. I've got a yeah. whole bunch of questions for you. All right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm delighted to you know to to be our guest on your podcast, Phil. And, oh, that's uh, I love awesome. what you're doing with American Dream University and you know, making a difference to to so many veterans. So so thanks for that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. So so why don't you why don't you introduce yourself? I mean I, I don't think I could do it justice. I mean I've gone back <laughs> as far as I could on your history from what I found online, but maybe just introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, I'm uh Christopher Kalenda, go by Chris. I'm a you know, former senior military leader, so I um, commanded a airborne infantry and cavalry task force in Afghanistan, 2007-2008. We were the, I think, still the only ones to have motivated a large insurgent group to stop fighting and eventually join the government. Um, that then, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. So. After that, I was asked by the Obama administration to, as, as they were just coming in, to, to help them rewrite their strategy for Afghanistan. Uh, went out with General McChrystal as his senior advisor to do the kind of the McChrystal assessment, figure out how we're going to create an implementation strategy um, in Afghanistan, and worked, did his counterinsurgency guidance, um, and, and then got involved in, in peace talks with the, with the Taliban as the Secretary of Defense's. Uh, personal representative in those early talks in the 2010 to 2012 timeframe. Um, I had that uh, required me to decline a brigade command and leave the uh, retire from the army. So I did that because I thought it was how I could best serve. And and after about two and a half years of that, uh, beating my head against the wall at the you know the sort of policy level and seeing the just the the real policy and strategy challenges we had in Afghanistan, I um, decided to resign from government, uh, started my own consulting business, and focused on helping nonprofits that work in conflict zones. And, and a couple of years into it, 
I ran into a, a friend of mine who I commanded with in, um, in Germany. And, um, yeah, we bumped into that. We hadn't seen each other in a couple of years. We bumped into each other in, in Washington, DC and, um, you know, Hey, how's it going? And I mean, the poor guy had the thousand yard stare, um, you know, clearly kind of wiped out, uh, not, not in as good a health as I'd seen him beforehand. And, and I asked him what he was doing. And he said, he, you know, he said, look, I, I left the, you know, retired from the military thinking I, I really wanted to get into the private sector or nonprofit. And um, every time I would interview, I would either for the small businesses or nonprofits, I'd be too expensive, or they would, they would have this sort of view that military uh, leaders, you know, senior leaders were, uh, you know, authoritarians or, or whatever. And so that didn't go anywhere. And then he's like, I interviewed with the big corporations and, you know, everything would be awesome until like the final round. And then, you know, they're going in a different direction or whatever. And invariably they hire in-house for understandable reasons. And he said, look, yeah, I, at some point I, I had to put a roof over the, the head. I had to keep paying the mortgage and, and putting food on the table. So I settled for, you know, this, this uh, government relations job with a big defense firm. And, and he said, I hate it. Um, and, you know, those those kind of jobs are right for some people. They're not right for others. It wouldn't have been right for me. And, and, and after that conversation, I thought, you know what, if I could take all of this content that I've developed over, you know, several years, um, actually over the course of about 30 years and all of the tools that I'm using to help my clients and put them together in a content manual, you know, I can essentially help people like him, other former senior military officials who, really want, you know, maybe don't have those transferable technical skills to the civilian sector, um, but really get leadership culture and strategy. And if I can put together a, uh, a program for them where they can start their own business um, and, and then serve select small businesses or, or nonprofits by helping them grow sustainably, what do they need to do to grow sustainably? Well, they need to get the three big things right. Leadership, culture, and strategy. We're experts in that stuff, and and so I created SLA as a consulting franchise to to help people who want to develop their own their own business and and serve clients in, in that way using those leadership, culture, and strategy um, skills that they've developed over 20, 25 to 30 years, um, and and so that's that's what we do, and we're the only leadership consulting firm that is or franchise that is exclusive to former senior military officials. Mm. So I got, I got a whole bunch of questions from, from, uh, from what <laughs> you just shared. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great. I, I'm, I'm taking notes here. And so, so we're, so do you still stay in contact with, with this uh, former guy you serve with in Germany? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cause that, you know, that it brings me to the question. I hear this all the time and, and I, mm -hmm. I understand why, why veterans settle, right? They have a family, they have obligations, um, maybe, and I'm not saying this is the case of, of your buddy, but they kind of get themselves in a, a situation where they have a lifestyle that they want to maintain. And so they do things that often don't fit what their soul or, or is telling them to do. And so why do you think, again, besides the financial aspect, why do you think a lot of these veterans are settling? Well, I, I think part of it is they... they see the, they perceive that the barriers to 
entry into the private sector um, at sort of positions of, of responsibility that they're used to are, are just simply closed. Um, except when you look at, excuse me, when you look at things like government, government consulting, um, you know, defense industry, uh, government civil service, those sort of things. Um, but in the private sector, they appear to be closed. And for a lot of reasons, I mean, Americans love the military. They, they respect our service and, and sacrifices. Uh, they, they find it absolutely amazing what, uh, you know, what, what people have done in places like Iraq, Afghanistan, other, other parts of the world, but they don't understand how it's commercially useful. And so when it, when, when push comes to shove and somebody looks at, okay, I've got a, I've got a veteran who's got just an incredible background and spent 25, 30 years in the military for competing with somebody who has a lot of experience in that particular industry, they tend to be more likely to go with um, the person that's got, the, is more of a known quantity, has got that experience. So I think that's one of the challenges. Um, a second challenge is, is the, you, you, you get used to having a paycheck every two weeks. I mean, <laughs> Uncle Sam is always going to pay the guys with guns and the gals with guns. And so you get used to that. And, and as you mentioned, there's a certain lifestyle associated with that. And there's, you know, there's great predictability and, and a sense of security. And, and so when you, when you come into the private sector, you, you don't have that. Um, oftentimes you look for a salaried position that will give that same sense of security, but it's a false sense. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you're the same. We've got all sorts of friends who were salaried employees one week and then downsized the next and, and, and now are scrambling to, to find a job. So a lot of people will tend to look at just the financial security aspect of things and maybe not look at, at these other issues, other issues of sort of post-military happiness, which, which deal with, um, you know, this, this sense of, of, of purpose, um, you know, my, my why, if you will, am I really tapping into something that moves my soul? And second is, is flexibility. Uh, look, we've all got, uh, many of us have aging parents or different family situations that may require us to move around a bit, uh, to be close to them. And, and so, Many of the jobs that people wind up settling for, of course, concentrate in Washington, D.C. or near big military bases and may not offer the kind of flexibility that, um, you know, that folks need either. And, and so, and so there's this, on the one hand, the sense of financial security, um, but not really moving my soul with the why. And, and then I've got all these other regrets in terms of, um, or challenges in terms of, uh, you know, particular family situations and, and wanting the flexibility to be able to move but not having it. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to touch on, and, and I think you kind of uh, talked about a little bit. So the, we always go back and forth when we kind of share some different tactics in terms of of getting hired and, and kind of sharing your story, mm -hmm. right? We work with, with some right. great storytellers from the military, and one that comes to mind is a guy by the name of Scott Mann, who offers his mm -hmm. free story storytelling course and former Green Beret and, you know, just a master storyteller. And it's like, is it the company's obligation to understand the veteran coming in, what they can do, or is it the veteran's obligation to kind of share 
what they can bring to the organization in such a way that they understand it. Does that make sense? It does. And I think all of the, certainly any relationships are two-way street. Um, and, and from the, you know, from the company standpoint, look, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to, to succeed. They're trying to turn a profit. Um, they're trying to grow sustainably and hiring is a big deal, as you know, especially if you're in a small business. Um, or a nonprofit. I mean, you can't afford to make a bad hire because if you do, you know, the, the cost of hiring another person is estimated somewhere between 50 and 200% of that annual salary. So imagine you bring somebody on just to make the math easy at $100,000 and that person doesn't work out. They leave within the first uh, year or so and it's going to cost you somewhere between probably 50 and $200,000 to find a replacement, hire that person and then train that new person. And so, you know, that's, that's a lot off the bottom line. And, 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 and so there's big stakes of course in, in hiring. And I think that organizations will tend to hire more conservatively, will tend to go with known quantities. And that's somebody who's, who's grown up in the, in the industry. So this is less problematic for, uh, yeah, the, the, the junior officer who, who may be left after at the military after five years or so, or, or the, the trooper that left after one, one or two enlistments because they've got long runway. They're in their mid-20s, and they've got a long, you know, they've got a, a, a much longer runway. When you're talking about somebody who's in their mid-40s to early 50s, um, that's a different set of propositions for them. And so I, I think it, it on the one hand, it's difficult for companies to uh, to make that bet on an unknown quantity. So on that side and on the other side, veterans, understandably, often have a hard time communicating why their skills are and their experiences are relevant to business. And you know, look, for those of us who grew up in the combat arms, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's just when, it, when you look at technical skills, it's kind of hard to make the case. Um, now, when you look at the issues of leadership, culture, and strategy, which are what any organization needs to grow sustainably, I mean, we do that really, really well. But when it comes to a, a particular skill set, sales, marketing, IT, whatever, um, you can't demonstrate those, you know, those kind of technical skills. And so that makes, that makes the hiring proposition a bit more challenging and and it makes it even more important for veterans to communicate hey here's why i can be useful to an organization like yours um, and to really be able to not just see the world through the eyes of their own experiences but through the eyes of what that company needs to to really succeed and um you know that's that's probably the subject of a, of a of another question, but I think is a really important perspective. Yeah, no, no, I think you hit on the head, and, and and that's where I see, again, some of the some of the veterans don't do enough research on who they're going to, you know, interview with or work with. I mean, like really deep research, like what what problems are they having, um, what mm -hmm. solutions can they bring, and then really addressing those in because yeah, I'm a I'm a small business owner too, Chris, and. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I literally, we hired somebody last week 
she lasted eight days. She was a she showed up a totally different person than the five other interviews you know that we had with her. And we're like, what what just happened, right? And so yeah. we had to go through the whole process again. So when 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 you're going into an interview, I mean, you have to go in understanding you're solving a big problem mm. for the company. I don't care how big or small, you have to go in there with with that attitude because it's it is a nightmare. You hit it on the head. So let's talk about. You kind of hit, I know you work with senior leaders, so let's hit, and I just turned 50. So I'm in that group, and I guess you would call it I'm going through some soul searching or a midlife crisis or whatever you want to call it because I feel like, so I, I work for, for American Dream U. I don't get paid. Uh, I don't get a salary. I don't, none of that kind of stuff. So I have a couple day jobs that I have to work to kind of put food on the table right. for my family. And also I, I fund the organization. So, But those, I've outgrown those those companies and what I do. And so now mm-hmm. I'm trying to find, you know, that combination of what kind of feeds me, what drives me, what wakes me up in the morning. And then also, you know, how I can, I can also provide for my family. And you talk about aging parents, I've got a mom who's getting a knee replacement and a father who has leukemia and they need help and mm-hmm. not just physical, help but financial help. So what, what advice, and then I want to get into, into, um, your franchise model, because I think picking the right franchise is there's a challenge to that. But when you find the right sure. one that you can fit into a system, we've talked about your training in the past. I want to talk about it. Training is mm-hmm. so important. And, and, and I want you to talk about it because you and I have talked about it on other occasions, but, sure. but what advice would you give somebody who maybe like your buddy who's settling and they just have that uncertainty of maybe going to the private sector, not getting a check every two weeks, or even starting, you know, joining your company and starting a franchise. And then they have to have that conversation with their spouse going, okay, listen, what I'm doing isn't, isn't feeding my soul. Isn't, isn't what I, I, I really want to do. I want to take mm-hmm. this, this leap. I trust Chris or whoever the franchise is. And we right. may not have those, those two direct deposits in our check that you've counted on for the last, let's say 25 years while I was in the military mm-hmm. or the last two years mm-hmm. while I was on the job. So can you talk about that? Yeah. And you know, this is, this is a, such a critical conversation that, that veterans need to have with themselves, with their families and, and really think this, this through because you don't want to be, you don't want to be in a position where you, where you feel like you're stuck and there's, and there's no way out. And, and the next 20 or 30 years are just going to be drudgery. So one of the things that I, I encourage people to do, even before we have our first conversation is, is just ask themselves, you know, what kind of impact do you want to make? You know, what's the kind of, what's the kind of impact that you want to make in your second career on the world? And, um, and for some, the right impact is, hey, I, I want to roll right over into government service and continue continue serving my country as a as a civil servant or um, or serving as a government contractor. And that's you know what, that's awesome, and that feeds people's souls. Um, for other people, that's not the right direction. And and so I think really tapping into um, you know your why, what's what's the what's the sense of of purpose that really feeds your soul? Um, what, what gets you excited every day? How much autonomy do you want? You know, there are some people who are really comfortable in structures. I mean, if you've grown up 20, 25, 30 years in the military, um, a lot of people just get used to being in a very predictable structure that they understand, and that's where they want to be. 
Others are much more entrepreneurial and they would prefer to have very little or no, no structure. So, so, uh, you know, that, that, um, you know, that autonomy becomes, becomes essential too. And so when you start to put these things together, um, what kind of impact do I want to make? What's that, what's that compelling purpose that, that really drives me and how can I use that to, to provide that kind of impact? And then what sort of autonomy, um, you know, do I want? Then, then I, then you, you are beginning to kind of wrap your arms around, around the why. So, you know, the, the mastery, the autonomy and the, and the sense of purpose. And, and, and you put that together and you start to have a sense of, what might be a very compelling direction for you to go. Now there's, there's also realities involved, of course. So if you've got a couple of kids in college and, and you've got a, you've got a mortgage that you're paying, you may not be able to, you not, may not be able to step off on that entrepreneurial path right away. So, so this may be one of those conversations you have family wise that says, look, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to do this for the next couple of years because, you know, we need it for, um, you know, for some financial predictability while we, while we're in this major expense situation. But as that begins to, as that begins to recede, I intend to transition and, and move into something else. And, and then when you've got that sort of, that sense of vision, then you can start doing the things to set conditions for your sort of your entrepreneurship, if that's, if that's what really, really um, is what drives you. Yeah. So I have a, I have a couple of questions. So, you know, we always talk about our why, and, and again, I'm just talking about from personal experience. And then I've literally mm. had hundreds of conversations with veterans and also entrepreneurs, business leaders. What, what do you have a tool or, or a suggestion, a book, a podcast, something that, that can trigger at least a conversation about finding your why. Yeah, yeah. There's some, yeah. You know, there's some really good ones. So, of course, Simon Sinek's "Start with Why" is 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 very good, and and he's also got a workbook that you can also purchase that kind of takes you through that conversation. Um, Daniel Pink, uh, his book called Drive, I think, is also terrific, and and that's where he speaks about. The importance of autonomy, uh, mastery, and purpose. So once you understand those three things, and and you're doing things that that um, optimize those, then uh, you know drive motivation. That that's that's where you're you're doing things that, that you really love. Um, so of course we talk about with organizations and and with people about their their why all the time, and. Um, and, and use those kind of tools and those frameworks to help people and organizations really think through what's that, what's that compelling purpose that motivates them. And it may yeah. not be obvious when you, you know, as you know, it may not be obvious to you at the start. Um, and I, I think a lot of, a lot of the transition programs, uh, they do some great work in terms of helping people think through their resumes and, and you know how to talk about salaries and stuff like that and those tactics can be really important but if they don't start off with you know the why uh they don't start off with helping people understand what really motivates them uh, helping to understand what their natural aptitudes and inclinations are so you know a mutual friend of ours don hutchinson has got the the highlands ability, ability battery i mean what a great 
way to help a help a person, help a veteran understand what their natural abilities and inclinations are, and and then and then um, intersect those with you know these ideas of purpose, uh, autonomy, and 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 mastery, and 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 as you get those intersections, then you get the you know, then you begin to see strategically, okay, you know, here's not only the industry I'd like to work in, but these are the kind of roles that really get me fired up. So some people are very visionary and they like visionary roles. Some people are very detail oriented. Um, and, and all of these personas um, and natural inclinations become important in terms of finding the role where you can really thrive. Yeah. No, that's all great stuff, and, and both those books are, are phenomenal, and they all have great talks online, and, and highly encourage mm-hmm. everyone to to dig deep into those because they're they're extremely useful. And and another and another kind of tool that I think is really effective, and I don't know who I got it from, but it's you know it's almost like kind of designing your perfect day. You know, if you could lay out your calendar, mm-hmm. what does that calendar look like? And I get you know a lot of veterans say, hey, I've got a couple offers. You know, I'm kind of just trying to figure out what's the best fit. And I'm like, well, let's look at your day, right? You know, do you want to take your kids mm-hmm. to school? Do you want to have, like you said, some flexibility? Right. Uh, do you have an option to work from home? You know, does it require travel? And then just kind of sort through what that perfect day or perfect year looks like. And then literally within 30 seconds of having that this conversation, they're like, my decision's done, right? Because in their head, they yeah. kind of heard what the what the thing is. So let's talk about mm-hmm. let's talk about how you made this this leap from those consistent paychecks, right, from in the military and then leaving the military and then working with nonprofits and then starting this this franchise company and, and why a franchise? So I, I spent a lot, I, I spent, shoot, between 2007 and 2014, I probably spent three and a half of those seven years in Afghanistan. And I, saw a lot of nonprofits working in Afghanistan and some that had a lot of impact and some that had maybe very good intentions, but not so much impact. And, and I also saw how things like government corruption and, um, and misunderstandings about, about culture really affected a nonprofit's ability to, to have impact. And I thought, you know what, I can, you know, this is, this is a place I can help. And, and so I, I started focusing my personal consulting business on uh, helping nonprofits that, that work in, in conflict zones. And, and, you know, it took me a little bit to get to starting my own business. It's something I'd, I'd always been interested in, but I also interviewed with, with a number of different firms and had similar experiences to what I, you know, what, the, what I, we laid out and discussed earlier. And, and said, you know what? I, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to work in a defense industry. Um, I don't. I don't. There's nothing I want to do back in government at this point. And so I think the right choice for me is to uh, is, is to build my own firm. And, and so and and focused on nonprofits that work in conflict zones. Frankly, I was very lucky. I got a a big client right away, which then took off a lot of the financial pressure and allowed me to do the consulting work, um, of course, and, um, and also begin to capture these, these tools and, and these processes in writing. Um, and, and so that, that was a process that took about four years 
of, of capturing all, all of this. Um, and, and it's a combination of, you know, 30 years of practice and leadership culture and strategy in the military and, and kind of, kind of hit on these as the kind of the big things that any organization needs to grow sustainably. Um, of course, the research, both in my PhD as well as uh, other other schooling, so about twenty thousand hours of research on these matters, and then the, and then the practical experience, both leading organizations, building cultures, developing strategies, and then consulting, uh, helping other organizations and leaders do that, gave me an opportunity to to put this all together in in a manual. And and after that conversation that I had with you know, with my, with my friend, I said, you know what, um, I'd like to, you know, if I can put this together in, in, in a way that's usable to people, then essentially I can, um, I can help them find careers that they love and, 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 and help, help people avoid being stuck in, in things that they hate. And so as I looked at what the various models were, I thought the franchise was, was the right model because it gave, um, it gave people, it gave the franchise owners, the, you know, the incoming franchisees, uh, a lot of autonomy. You know, they, they can work on their own schedule. They can work how many hours they want. They work from home, work elsewhere. So it gives them all the autonomy that they want. Of course, it's, it's this continued mastery in subjects that they love, like uh, leadership, culture, and strategy. It's working with organizations and, and making an impact. So for those that that really enjoy seeing like teaching and coaching and mentoring and seeing others thrive, um, it's it's an ideal fit. And then the, the the thing about a franchise that separates a franchise from maybe a partnership or an association or whatever is uh, you've got to have a trademark body of intellectual content that. Uh, you know, that people can read, that people can understand and, 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 and use. And, and so capturing all of that content in usable format was, was critical and, and, and it enabled us to be, to be a franchise. Um, and, and so, you know, we've got, as we break it down, the three big things, leadership, culture, and strategy, and we've got five habits associated with each of those. And that's, that's the core of the content that we teach. And then we've got all sorts of uh, workshops and presentations and uh, strategy development tools that that help uh, help organizations get those things right. Yeah, and, and talk about your talk about your training because I think what a lot of and I work with a lot of franchises and we get hit up mm-hmm. with a lot of mm-hmm. franchises trying to trying to push them on. And my you know question is always you know success right. I don't want to see the the three testimonials on the website. I'm more interested in right. um, you know just literally just doing a Google search, but talk about training. Cause I think that's where a lot of franchises lack. And you and I had this conversation mm-hmm. before about, mm-hmm. you know, you, I don't care what kind of franchise you buy. You're, you're in the sales business, right? You have to convince a company to open up their checkbook and write a check because they believe in you and believe in what you're going to teach. So can you talk a little bit about right. your training? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, well, the, as, as you mentioned, the training is, is absolutely essential. Uh, to to success and and you know the good franchises the the success rate for business owners who are in a franchise is far higher than the success rate of uh, people who are solopreneurs kind of out there on their own and and it's because in a franchise you've got not only this body of content and knowledge that's 
certified, it's trademarked, and 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 that people can research and they can you know they can see that okay, <laughs> yeah, this this actually is sensible and um, and and is meaningful to me as a business or a nonprofit leader. So you got that body of content, you've got the you've got this network of people that you work with um, who all have a vested interest in, in your success. And so with us being all former senior military officials, I mean, when somebody's grown up 20, 25, 30 years in the military, I mean, you kind of know the, the kind of person that you've got, the, the ethics and the, and the values and the, and the work ethic. Um, are there some exceptions to that rule? Absolutely. But in general, we, I mean, we kind of, this is a group of people that we've been associating with for, um, you know, for our professional lives and, and people who, who we can trust and rely upon and, and, and you're not competing with one another. So you have, uh, everybody is, is successful when everybody else is successful. So you've got all sorts of people pulling for you. Then of course, my primary job is, is setting people up for success. And so we do that in a number of ways. First of all, we've got a very careful vetting process. Because quite frankly, being a being a consultant and and a franchise owner is is I mean it's not for everybody. So you know for people who like need to be in a big structure and not um, not very comfortable being entrepreneurial, it's not the right fit. Um, you know I've I've had to kind of turn people away that have perhaps have had way too much negative energy um, or people who lacked empathy just can't quite see. The perspective of others and so you know, we go through this careful vetting process you can have the number of conversations with me um, you know during the application you know there you'll know, let us know what peers uh, you know former leaders and former employees or, or subordinates um, to use as references um, and we'll contact we'll contact people and we'll get a real feel for the person in advance and then for for those that we think are is, is the right fit um, then we have a, a six-day training program where, the, um, where they essentially get immersed in this content of, of leadership culture and strategy. And we, it, we use it as, we use military concepts as a bridge. And, and so you know, you'll see in, in our products that you know, we'll have a, a certain idea, um, perhaps about, oh, let's say empathy. Uh, and we'll have a discussion about empathy, and then we'll show how it worked in a military context, and then we'll show business and nonprofit cases for how it works in a business or nonprofit context. And so you've got you give um, you give the you know, the new franchisees a a real um, some clear anchor points about how these military concepts that they've learned. Um, Trend, can translate into usable business terminology um, and usable business concepts. And so we're very selective and very careful you know, about that. And the training really emphasizes that. The other thing that we do in the training is, is we, we spend a lot of time on the sales process. And, and sales is something that, I mean, most people who spent that amount of time in the military haven't had to do. I mean, we've had to sell ideas, but not sell... Uh, um, not essentially ask somebody to, or sell our services to somebody, or convince somebody that they they would they would buy our services. So this is a new concept, and of course there are ways to do sales um, that that are 
outside of our values, but there's also ways to do sales that are perfectly consistent with our values. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time um, researching uh, the right sales coaches. And, and so we brought in um, two sales coaches who do workshops with us and, and follow on support with us. Uh, one is a gentleman named Mike Schmidtman. Mike is absolutely brilliant salesman um, and, and, and really helps people understand the sales process and then, you know, how to frame what they offer in ways that make sense to a client. You know, all of this is always client focused. You're trying to help the client and the better you understand the client and what their concerns are, um, the better you can, um, better you can frame your, um, your approach as to how you're going to help them grow sustainably. Uh, the second person that we have in sales, the guy named Phil Cates, um, C-A-T-E-S, he's called the referral coach, and, and Bill's specialty is how you, how you get referrals without even asking for them. Um, so most of, the, most of my personal business, most of our, the business that our franchisees will be having is going to come from personal referrals. So we're going we're gonna to meet people, we're going to engage with them. Some will be our clients, some will just be people that we add value to. And, and when you have those kind of value conversations, people are more likely to refer you to others who, who um, can see that, that you could help them. And, and so building a referrals-based sales process is, um, is the lifeblood of uh, consulting in the small business and nonprofit world. And so we spent tons of time on that. And then the other expert that we bring in is a, uh, my, my speaking coach. Her name is Jan Fox. And uh, Jan is absolutely brilliant, four-time Emmy Award winner, who now teaches senior executives and TED Talkers how to give presentations. And, um, and so Jan does a half-day workshop with us on presentations because all of us have these incredible life experiences that become very difficult to articulate concisely uh, and compellingly in a civilian setting. And so you mentioned earlier about the, you know, the, the importance of storytelling. Well, Jan Fox, has helped, Jan Fox helps us tell a compelling personal story that provides an emotional connection with the audience and, a, and an intellectual connection to the content for how, uh, how these experiences and you know, and, and the training, the ideas we're about to bring are able to help them. So we put all of that, uh, we put all of that together in a, um, in a six-day training course. And then, you know, of course, they've got some requirements to meet beforehand in terms of reading the content and then all sorts of uh, follow-through afterwards. But that's how, we, that's how we set them up for success in the training. Um, and then what we do is we, we put together what we call a runway. So it's about a 90-day process. Uh, that goes from business establishment to gathering intel on your ideal clients to um, to developing uh, your own sort of expertise and how you're going to serve that ideal client, um, networking, et cetera, all the way into business launch. And so the idea is at the about the 90-day point or, or whatever the right time is, given that individual's um, context, you know, we, we put that runway together so... So by the time they are they are ready to launch their business, they are, you know, fully Redcon one and um, and and able to uh, start providing value to their clients right away. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I don't, you know, for those that are listening, that's in, invaluable. I mean, bringing in outside speakers. I know a lot of franchise companies who, you know, you go to their home office, mm. you meet with a few folks, maybe meet with the local franchise owner, and then you're off, you know, 24 hours later with with a box and uh, right. like, right, go, you know, go find some clients. You know, there's yeah. very, very little, very, very little support. And, and I like the fact that, you know, you're just, you're, you're vetting these people coming in because if it's not a good fit, uh, it's just going to add frustration to their life. And, you know, you'd mentioned, sure. you know, if someone comes in with negative energy and, you know, I'm starting to notice energy on people a little bit more because I think I was that person walking into a room five, 10 mm. years ago with, with negative energy and, you know, baggage and, and things that sure. uh, I just, I just brought in and they just, they weren't healthy. And so, um, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, but it's, I'm starting to notice mm. it more. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really important. I mean, in this, I mean, there, there, there's a role for people who are just very critical people. Uh, there, there are roles in, in the private sector for that kind of skill set. Um, it's just not consulting um, because ultimately the success of consulting is is the sincerity of the relationship and the passion that the consultant has know, for knowing how uh, that consultant can help that organization. And and so if if either of those two things are missing, um, you know, the difficulty just having those kind of building a relationship um, and having those value-based conversations and, and second, really firmly believing and having a passion for, for who you're serving and, and what you're doing, then, then you're going to have, I, it, it's just not right for you. So um, I mentioned ideal client a couple of times. And, and one of the ways that we, we really try to help people be successful. And, and I've, I've made this, it, well, how we help them be successful is getting them to identify an ideal client. So, so a focus, like who is that? What is that sort of mission? What is that ideal client, that, that, that kind of personal organization that you want to serve that really amps you up? So for me, it's nonprofits that work in conflict zones. I love it. I work with nonprofits that do education in conflict zones, do girls' education in conflict zones, that do civilian protection in conflict zones and that really excites me um because you know of several past experiences that i've had where um i want to help uh, i i want to help people who may not be in a position to to help themselves um others have ideal clients that are uh one of our franchisees he focuses on the quick service restaurant industry because that's that's what he loves another one is on athletic um, and sports teams. Um, another franchisee's focus is on uh, nonprofits that do youth programs. I mean, he grew up in a um, in, in a neighborhood in a in an urban area, and, and he was one of only three kids in his neighborhood that ever graduated from college. He went on to have a great career in the military, and now he wants to give back by by helping youth with their um, you know youth oriented programs. So. So another important part of this process is really working together with the franchise owner, uh, you know, the new franchisee to find that ideal client that's really, that really kind of moves their, their soul, if you will, that, you know, person that they really want to help. And so when you, when you put all of this together, um, the experience and the, and the confidence, 
the belief in what you're doing is going to help and you know how to help them because we've trained you to do that. Uh, you believe uh, passionately in a kind of person in the organizations that you're helping. Um, and, 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 and you now have the, the skills to add value to those clients from the very first time you meet with them, then you're going to have a successful franchise. Yeah. No, that's all, that's all powerful stuff. And I, I want to be conscious of your, of your time too, Chris. I have a couple of questions and you've shared this publicly on your site and, you know, kind of some challenges you had growing up. And, you know, my question is, and, and you can elaborate or not elaborate, um, and if you don't want to talk about this, we don't, we don't have to, but how did you kind of get past some of those, some of those challenges? And, and also, you know, where are you in, in terms of forgiveness for those that um, obviously treated you extremely uh, unfairly and inappropriately? Right. Now, um, that I appreciate you asking, asking that and, and, and in the way that you asked that, Phil. Um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was kind of a scrawny and awkward kid in high school. Um, I think I, when, I, when I wrestled, the, the weight class was 82 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I was, I was tiny and, and awkward, and I got bullied relentlessly by, you know, by teammates. I played baseball and wrestling and um, you know, I got bullied relentlessly by teammates. And, uh, you know, when I turned to, I went to a Catholic high school, when I turned to uh, priests for support, um, you know, two of them sexually assaulted me. And, and so, yeah, that's something that you don't forget. Um, and you can either, it can either destroy you um, or you can uh, use it to try to empower you. And, and, and that's what I chose. Um, sports was very helpful and, and um, helped me learn how to use setbacks like that um, to, to empower me. And then, and then of course, going into the, uh, going into the military, um, you know, it's, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. And, um, you know, I use those experiences to, you know, sort of <laughs> help motivate me to, you know, do things like airborne school and ranger school and air assault and, you know, try to pick the, you know, close quarters combat, try to pick all the toughest assignments. And, and, you know, all of that is a way of, of I, I think, as I look back on it, a way of saying, I'm not going to allow anybody to do this to me ever again. Um, and, and it's, when I looked at my why, for what what kind of business I wanted to build, um, it you know I found my what I really wanted to do was help those kind of organizations that are helping others. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about nonprofits. Why I like working with nonprofits that work in in conflict zones because they are helping people who may not necessarily be in a position to to protect or empower themselves. Um, I was very fortunate in my um, opportunities to do that, and and if I can help open those, help organizations um, open those opportunities for others, then you know that 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 gets me excited. Um, that gets me excited every day, and so that's that's why I, I do what my, I do with my personal consulting business, and 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 now being able to at the same time offer opportunities for, for others who've walked in similar shoes to, uh, to make an impact on, you know, a, a cause or 
um, a business or, you know, a group of people that they're really passionate about, I, you know, it just, um, you know, it, um, yeah, it makes me feel good. It, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and again, this is, this is kind of my, my own personal searching and soul and, and dealing with forgiveness. And my, the biggest person I had to forgive in my life was my, was myself, you know, for doing certain things, certain thoughts. It was just really, really hard. And I, I kind of, I finally kind of broke through that, you know, that shell. And, and you can kind of think that life, you know, is happening to you your whole life, or you can kind of think life is happening for you. And it sounds like, mm. you know, you turned this horrific thing that happened to you, you know, when you were, when you were a teenager and, and, emp and empowering and helping, I would imagine thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who were, you know, vulnerable like you. And so not that you would ever want to wish any type of this thing on anybody, but you, you kind of, yeah. I, I listened to your story and I'm like, Gosh, that's absolutely horrible. But in a way, how many people have you helped um, because of that? And again, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying, you know, all these other people. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I think it's uh, an amazing story, and amazing what you're doing, especially in war zones where you know, you've, you know, in your last seven years, you were, I think you said Afghanistan, three or four years out of your last seven. And those people, you know, couldn't defend themselves. And, and you're just giving so many people an opportunity to, to make their life so much better. So I, I appreciate you for all that, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Phil. I, you know, and, and you're right about forgiveness. I mean, I, I was in a long time, and, uh, you know, and, you know, with these experiences just were, you know, I essentially buried them. Um, and, you know, use them in a, in a way to, um, you know, to motivate and, and, and energize me. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was, you know, but that also, so on the one hand, I, you know, that, that, uh, that gives you a certain level of drive. But on the other hand, it, um, it also does, it has its, has its share of damage. And, and so, um, you know, for, forgiveness is, is, is so important to, um, helping you work through that end of that end of things as well, um, and and you know these, I mean whether positive or negative experiences, it's it's you know with everything, it's 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 what you do with them that that matters. Um, and you know we've we've all had our kind of ups and downs and bumps and bruises and you know kind of triumphs and setbacks along the way and 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 i think the you know the the real champion is the is the person that um you know uses uses those experiences in ways that are helpful to to others and and uh you know it's something that that you've done and and what you're doing with american dream university it's something that you know i look for in all of my potential franchisees is is somebody with that um I don't know that sense of being grounded and and that sense of kind of mission and purpose, um, but also that that empathy to you know to to kind of see see themselves and see others um, from their own perspectives. That you know I think you know all sort of comes together in somebody who is you know is going to provide real value to um, you know to other leaders to other organizations. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate that. And, and, um, yeah, compassion and, and empathy and, and being a really good listener. And I'm, I'm sure that's a big part of your six day training is really listening because mm. sometimes someone will tell you what the issue is, but it's really not the issue. And, right. and kind of being a good, a good listener and observing that. And like you said, having that, that good energy, uh, to make someone feel comfortable you know, kind of sharing something that they may not have, I think is, mm-hmm. uh, is really critical when you're talking about coaching or consulting. So, um, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's it. And, and ha- knowing what questions to ask and how to ask them is of course essential in that because the, you know, the same question asked with a different tone or maybe a little bit different emphasis can on the one hand really help disarm um, somebody and, and, and get them into a place where the, you know, they're, they're willing to talk about uh, the real issues or, or can, can encourage them to put up the defensive shield. And then, and then of course, you don't get anywhere. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll, guess I'll close with, you know, we've done, gosh, probably half a dozen of senior leadership transition workshops. And, and we have a couple coming up this year, and I'd love for you to come out and, and share with some of these senior leaders what what kind of you know last minute advice or thoughts or tactics would you give to let's say I had a room of of a thousand you know senior leaders in a room that are about twelve to twenty four months from getting out what what thoughts or advice would you give them? Uh, well, so I would I would absolutely love to come out and contribute to to what you're doing and and um, and how you're providing impact to you know to that population in in particular. I guess what, what I'd encourage them to do or, or a couple of things. First is to ask themselves, what, what impact do I want to make beyond the military? You know, what is that kind of impact? What, what, in, my, what in my life story, what in my passions, um, you know, points me to a, you know, an impact that, that, that I want to make? Is it, is, it, um, is it with a particular kind of people? Is it with particular kinds of organizations? Um, so that's, that's the sort of first strategic question. What, what impact do I want to make? What difference do I want to make um, in my second half of my next 30 years of, of professional life? And, and then I think it's, it's getting into these questions about why and questions about um, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, you know, what's, what's the why that compels you? What, 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 what are you really passionate about? What do you love doing? Um, what kind of things do you enjoy being involved with, enjoy um, professionally enjoy doing, and, you know, on the mastery side, how much autonomy do you want? Um, and, and so, and, and then when you couple that with your why, then, then I think you, you begin to have a very good idea of what kind of, what turns your crank and, and what kind of things that you're looking to do. And then I think you could take things like down, um, Highlands Ability Battery uh, to see, and, and, and there are other tools as well to kind of help you see natural inclinations. And then, and then finally, I think it's that conversation that says, you know, okay, um, I know I want to be strategically. Now, how do I get there? And for some, they can just move right into that space. I was fortunate to be able to move right into that space. Others, it might, it might be more of a process to get where they want to go, but but of course, knowing where you want to be and what kind of what kind of second career that you want to have with the kind of impact that you want to make, 
uh, knowing that is is essential to charting a path to to get from from where you know where you are now in transition to to where you want to be. Yeah, no, great advice, great advice, and and I also want to share some of the some links uh, for people to get you know in contact with you and maybe even explore. You know, if they listen to this and they thought, wow, this this falls in line right with my my values and my goals and my mission and. And I love what Chris is talking about with, you know, how to succeed, you know, as an organization. And I think I could add some value to that. So, yeah, I would love for you to share some links. And again, Chris, I really appreciate this. And this was um, several months in the making and a lot of uh, and a lot of reschedules. And that was uh, right. that was my fault. So so I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah so it's, uh, it's, it's good when these things can come together. And right, course, yeah, right. our website is uh, strategicleadersacademy.com. And uh you know, anybody can email email me at chris at strategicleadersacademy.com and yeah and and for some people you know being a fran- you know being a part of a franchise is right for others it's not and yeah I just love having conversations with people about that and just help them you know help them to think through things um, you know kind of what uh, you know what might be right um, in that in that second career yeah outstanding well again thanks Chris I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to, and I'll get you some dates for some upcoming events, and I, I really look forward right. to having you come out and share. Fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Thank you for listening to the American Dream U Mission Next podcast. If you're interested in finding out more information, please find us online at www.americandream and the letter u.org. You can find us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. All at American Dream and the letter U. Again, we thank you for tuning in and we will see you for the next episode.